Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nerds Adulting Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Peter. I'm super excited to be back today with Ruthie. Ruthie is back. She missed out on the Zack Snyder's Justice League discussion, but she's back today. Ruthie, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm doing better. I'm on the rise. Uh, those that have followed me anywhere know that I've had some health issues the last, uh, well, during March. And I uh, finally got to go see some doctors and get things checked out. So I'm getting back on track, I hope. So it's good to be back. <laughs> but I've needed more rest than usual, which anybody that knows me knows how much I hate that. But it's necessary. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I'm, back, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy you're back. I'm happy you're doing better. It's, it's awesome. We missed you on the Justice League discussion with Josh, but... Josh isn't here today, but today I'm excited because today is a Retro Sunday Fun Day episode, so I'm excited about two things. One, we're going to talk about a huge passion of mine from growing up, which was the WWF slash WWE era of the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, and I'm also excited because our special guest today is Big Cat from the Hardcore Gentleman's Podcast and also an ardent supporter of you, Ruthie, and our podcast. Big Cat, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Uh-oh, I'm starting to pop up in more places. That's not good. <laughs> I disagree. I think it's a fantastic thing. I want to see you in more places. Yeah. But how are you doing, man? I'm excited to have this discussion with you. We've been We've been talking about this for uh, about a month or two now about doing an episode. We just started. I remember we were just like kind of bullshitting in chat and all of a sudden was like, I think we have a, an episode here, right? Yeah. Uh, first, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Glad to give my opinion and, and thoughts on some things. But yeah, we were just, you know, shooting the breeze in chat and got to talking about wrestling and realized we were both pretty big fans and decided, hey, maybe we could try to make this thing uh into an episode yeah so that's what we're gonna be talking about today wrestling wwf wwe mostly like the attitude era and dx and triple h all that we're gonna get into all the things but before i want to start it off with what you all remember from that era like what's the first thing when i brought up this topic and we were going to discuss this like what is the the first thing that 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 you remember when someone you think about that era and big cat i'll let you go first oh man the biggest thing I remember from the Attitude Era has got to be DX. I mean, the amount of times I got into crotch chopping somebody was utterly ridiculous. So, <laughs> that's, that's probably the biggest thing I remember. I think when I saw a bowling guy, a professional bowler, do it, I was like, okay, this is this is like mainstream now. You know, like this is it. When I saw a professional it's a bowler. phenomenon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ruthie, what about you? What is the first thing you think about or that you remember when? You think of old WWE, WWF. Okay, so <laughs> I feel like I'm going to sound like a girl and be like, if I get them confused, don't <laughs> jump on me. Um, because like I know there was like WCW, NWO, WWE. Like I'm just there was so many. It was so long ago. So if I'm I'm just going to be in the wrestling ballpark is what I'm going to be in. But I think the first thing I actually think of when I think of wrestling from like the 90s is my brothers and my cousins and how we used to have like at-home wrestling matches, like take a mattress out to the yard or the trampoline and be like trying to like suplex each other and just our parents yelling at us that this is not okay <laughs> for us to be playing these wrestling games like this and shooting home videos, you know, where we would have our own entrances coming in from the other room. As far as wrestlers, though, I think off the top of my head, I think of people like The Big Show and Sting and my favorite of all time, which is The Undertaker. I, I think of a lot of them, like just definitely like that era and 
all those old greats, which are now like, I know the undertaker just retired. They're all, I grew up in that whole generation of just being insane wrestling. I don't know. It just makes me <laughs> laugh. Cause I think of some things we still do. If our gang gets together, some things we still do. Like it's like the wrestling power up where like you would put your hands in the air and you'd be like, Oh, and then you would like turn your fingers to the other person. Like, oh, the giving them, yeah. The whole Kogan thing. Right. Like you would like, You'd power them up and stuff. Sometimes we still do that to each other when we're like roughhousing. We definitely just, remember it being so much bigger and different back then than it is now. Well, that's part of the nostalgia factor. I would say like we remember it being so much better than it probably is now. So I think that kind of comes into play. But like for me, I just remember, so it hit the the epitome for me was in high school, like when I was a, probably a sophomore or a junior in high school. So we're talking about like 97 98 ish 90, 99 yeah. like around that time and every monday night was must see tv with my best friend like what i remember most from that era was monday night raw and that w- was like an oh, event yeah. we always mm-hmm. like every we got so this thing i grew up in chicago and they had these things called matt's cookies or matt's chocolate chip cookie cookies we each get we would go to the like 7-eleven on our bikes we would grab a package of that, and then we would sit there, spend the next two hours munching on those and watching wrestling and drinking milk. Every Monday night, it was like you knew it was going to be on, and it was going to be a great show. And that was like the mo- the fondest memory that I have, and that's what, it, that's what it reminds me of. When it comes to wrestling, that era was Monday Night Raw. That was for me. That was it. That was what we did. So some of the that's most... Cool. Yeah, it was like... It was like probably the, one of the, the most fun because, you know, when you're in high school, you don't really whole, you just don't have a whole lot to worry about. And it was just, you know, it was just a great memory that I have. Also, it reminds me of so back in the day, uh, it, this is probably going to show our age is you guys remember how they would scramble the TV, the pay-per-view stuff so you couldn't see it, but it was there. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah. So my dad actually, like in 95, bought one of those cheater boxes that would descramble. We had like all the channels nice. and stuff. And so, and another thing too, my dad hated wrestling. I never got to watch wrestling at the house because my dad hated it. Not because it was like the the content so much. It was just, it was so fake to him. You know, like he was like, I'm not watching this crap. Like we only had one TV. So I never got to watch it until I got a little bit older and went to my friend's house and we started watching it. And then we got the cheater box. So on Sundays, when dad started working nights, I was able to watch the pay-per-views. So that's when everything just skyrocketed in the 90s for me. And it was like super diehard. I want to get into some notable uh, wrestlers and, and some, of my, some of my favorites. And Big Cat, I want to hear about your stories about your favorites. The first thing I want to bring up is my all-time, my, either my second all-time or my fa- all-time favorite wrestler. I want to say all-time because I was younger. Um, this is sort of like right before the Attitude Era hit was Bret Hart. Bret Hart for me was... My fa- I rooted for that guy like I rooted for my favorite sports team. Like I was so brokenhearted when he lost. I really felt that we'll get into a little bit, I guess, with his rivalry with his brother Owen Hart, and then the whole thing with Stone Cold, and then his ability and his technical ability in wrestling. And that's the that is probably like one of my favorite all time wrestlers. And that's the first thing I think about of WWF. You know, when looking looking back on it, what are some of your memorable mm-hmm. or favorite wrestlers? when you guys were watching it back in the day. Okay. Um uh, right top, my my guy's always been Triple H from back when he was the the blue chipper, the blue blood guy, the doing the curtsy and all that. He's always been my guy. I think I became even more enamored with him when he started spitting the water. Why? I don't know. <laughs> 
that's it, it just always amazing. Like he's spitting that water really high and it looks cool. <laughs> um, I was gonna say what I remember most about Triple H was when he left from because remember he had just given up the title. I forgot to who I think it was to Stone Cold or somebody or The Rock. But then he was out because he had a knee injury and he was a heel at the time. But they documented his recovery and stuff and they gave us updates. And when he came back, he was like a fan favorite. But every, I mean, he was the biggest douche and most hated like person of in all of WWF at the time. But when he, it was just an interesting dynamic to see like the real world, the real Triple H, you know, recovery and him coming back and making it all the way. Now he's a fan favorite. I just thought that was an interesting dynamic. You remember that? Like, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was actually, he had, uh, he was in that feud with Jericho and he blew out his quads. Mm. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so he had to go through like, I think it was like eight, nine months. Of, they told me about like a year and a half or something like that, but he was back in like eight, nine months. Yeah. And when he came back, like that place, exploded like i was so jealous that i wasn't there but like and i remember he had this badass jacket it was a jean jacket with leather sleeves and it had his logo on the back and i wanted it so bad yeah. i still want it <laughs> i remember that jean jacket i want that jacket i swear to god <laughs> <laughs> what? i want it <laughs> <laughs> wasn't hunter was Hearst helmsley the the porn guy wasn't that or wasn't he like an adult no i'm no, sorry that was somebody else hunter no, helmsley was like this really like uh um romantic dude in the beginning right like that's how he started he i'm was, thinking it's a, he was supposed to be like a uh an aristocrat yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. Little smoothie and rich and all this other stuff and he would Who? uh he actually like curtsy yeah, yeah, he completely changed. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, the transformation for these people was hilarious. The characters from like where they came from. What was the name of the it dude that was a porn star or pretending to be That's a porn? Val Venus. Val Venus. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> man. We have changed, man. The content has changed <laughs> <laughs> over the years. I'm sitting um, here and I'm just thinking, I'm not recalling any of this. It's interesting <laughs> to hear right now. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> it was really. <laughs> You had Val Venus, and then you had Stardust or Goldust. I'm sorry, who was like very like molesty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it was just weird content they had back then. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the best way to describe him? Was like molesty? Like he was just like weird like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm trying what? to think of another word, but I can't. Like molesty's <laughs> like fuck now. Yeah, it was a weird time. I think that was like right before. That was when they were struggling with WCW, like these characters. And you had like, I, I this is my, I'm already going to my notables or my honorable mentions, but like Papa Shago, like you had some weird characters. Like Papa Shago was like this voodoo dude who was b- badass and really cool. But then he was like into voodoo. It was really dark. And I think like he made, I forgot who he made someone spit up black stuff. I can't remember who that was, but like, it was like a really weird time for them. All right, Ruthie, what about you? What are, what are your some notable when you think about WWE, you know, characters and wrestlers? What what uh, You already mentioned The Undertaker, so I'm kind of interested in that cuz he was one of my favorites oh, as well. Oh, I um The Undertaker, I can never remember his like actual name. Mark Halloway. Yeah, Mark Halloway. I can um because he was The Undertaker and then he went through that stint of being American badass and then he went back to being The Undertaker. I really just couldn't, I could care less what he was. I just thought, I thought he he was a towering, just very, you know, built and very strong wrestler. And I liked that he was not a huge, like, I guess, trash talker, I guess. Like he just, he like was the stoic type of wrestler and he just like let it speak for itself. And I just always liked that about him. 
but he came out like on that fat boy motorcycle and I was like, okay, okay. So I liked him a lot. I do. I, uh, I think I loved the cold coffin setup. I loved his entrance music as undertaker. It was definitely a different kind of vibe than the other ones. I got to tell his you, thinking gimmick. about like what you said is music when the lights would turn off and then they hear the gong. I was like, oh, yes. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The feels I get when I whenever I think about yeah, that. Yeah, Hell's Bells coming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We played, there was a game on PlayStation and we would like, we would, when my friend turned out lights off in my room when that song would play in the game and it was just like, it was hilarious, but it was just, we had so much fun with it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just remember the song when you mentioned that. I was like, oh that, yeah, no, but it would be because it would be that thing where like, well, and I, I, I was talking to somebody about this, um, about, I want to say like, I was talking about them, you know, cause we were talking about, we we're kind of talking about like wrestling villain villains and how a lot of wrestlers, even some of our favorites go through these stints of like being villains or like wrestlers, their whole stint is to be like that dick hole wrestler that like nobody likes like at all. They're like, they're made to be that way. Like that's their characterization. And we laughed about how you would just in general for somebody would be in the mat. You know, we all remember the moments. I think that's what I think one of the biggest things I remember about wrestling is whoever it would be, good or bad, would sit in the mat and be talking all this sh- like shit. They'd be like, <laughs> he isn't up here today. He isn't got him. In- I've got the belt now. And then all of a sudden you'd hear, Bang, like if it was the Undertaker, all of a sudden the lights would drop and you were gong and the whole audience would be like oh my god he's here <laughs> like everybody like it was like lifetime drama or like um, i hear jim ross i just hear jim ross right now when you're talking exactly about him. Like, yeah no or like the king uh my god he's here <laughs> yeah he's here you know and stuff and then um or uh if somebody would talk stuff and it's just like there ain't nobody in here that thinks they can step up to the mat to me and then all of a sudden you'd hear like that that glass shatter was stone cold and stuff right and he's just like, you know, I don't know. It's just like that. So cold, yeah, you know, and stuff like just like it, that entrance music. I think we like it came like Pavlovian. Like, you know, we were all triggered to like know that glass. Break. Those, yeah, exactly. The glass break or just to know like that sound. Everybody, you know, everybody had their entrance music that was very distinct. And it was like their calling card. And then you would hear it. And then, and I think even a few times there was wrestlers where we knew a wrestler was out. Like there was no way they were going to be able to show up and you would hear that entrance music. It just was like so over the top and like, so you knew wrestling was fake, but you get wrapped up in all these like alliances and rivalries and man, like in his whole like we're corporate, you know, I'm going for the corporate He had a great intro song though. I will (laughs) say his intro song was fantastic. You know, and like there were times where I hated McMahon, like I just hated him. And I'm like, ah, you get caught up in it. You're like, McMahon, we hate you, you know, or something. And but at the end of the day, like long run scope, McMahon actually like really great, you know, like overall. He's a genius. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Genius. Great. And, you know, and just like definitely like a name of the industry overall. But yeah, there were definitely moments when you get caught up in the drama and the flow of it and you know these so that's what i think of most i think of like the entrance music and at these moments of like drama and how we were just triggered when we heard that music that these wrestlers were going to come out i remember the big show i always loved him i just loved that he was just like this big guy 
you know, the like, you know, part of a legacy and stuff. And do you know he has yeah. his own TV show on Netflix now, like a family comedy, Paul White? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was like, I was like, what the hell? Like Paul White's got a family comedy now? Like they're yeah, yeah, just yeah, giving exactly. these out like candy these days. <laughs> like, yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. So I remember them, and then when I think of other names, I think of people that are very distinct. Um, because I love, it seems like I like the big stoic, like traditional strongman wrestlers, which that's what I think the big show is. That's what I think the undertaker is. But at the same time, I have a huge passion and love for like Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. They were two of my other favorites and they brought in that luchador quickness, fastness, using the ropes to their advantage. They were small, they were slender. They had to use like every bit of, you know, that advantage in those crazy moves so fast. Eddie was or um, Rey Mysterio was so fast, like he just couldn't be touched sometimes because of how quick he was, you know, bringing in that luchador aspect where you never see his face ever. You know, so it, remember when Eddie Guerrero came to the WWE, leaving WCW and in his he did his special like off the ropes move and he dislocated his elbow on mm -hmm. raw i think it was raw or is either smackdown i just remember seeing it, i'm like oh god that that's not scripted <laughs> like that oh no, yeah no that's yeah, not exactly right and stuff. yeah, yeah exactly. it doesn't bend that way yeah, it's that's not, supposed not to <laughs> going to happen yeah and yeah i think that's what i remember most and i think the only other thing i remember most and and obviously i want this to be a nostalgic fun topic but i do remember stuff like that like the dislocating the elbow i remember these crazy insane matches the links that these guys went to and girls now for the sake of entertainment and all these crazy stuff they do and the injuries they get into and, you know, for the sake of the show. And I'm just like, there's a part of me nowadays that's like, I love it. But man, I'm so glad when one like lives and retires because they have so many issues long term, just like, you know, boxers and things <clears throat> like that and stuff that it's a it takes its toll. Yeah, I think of like Mick Foley. Uh, we'll get into him in the next seg in the next segment when we talk about feud or feuds. Not sorry, moments. The favorite like single yeah, moments because yeah, yeah. we got so we have our favorite wrestlers from that era. We're gonna be talking about the the women, the groundbreaking women of this era. Um, our favorite feuds, our favorite memorable matches and moments, which you're alluding to with mankind. I want I just want to stop you there because that's gonna be a huge topic. Before, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get into that, because yeah. that's probably like to me the penultimate moment in that in that um in that era. But we'll get to that shortly. Big Cat, I'll let you go next on this one about your favorite uh, wrestlers from that era. You already mentioned Triple H. So who else do you recall when you think back to this era? You know that was your favorite or memorable from this this era. See, you said Triple H. Shawn Michaels was always my boy because that I don't know why Sweet Chin music was just so beautiful to me, but it was. Like just him tuning up the band in the corner. It's like, dude, if you don't move, you're gonna <laughs> like your head's gonna come up. Bow! Never mind, you didn't move. You're dead. One, two, three, it's over. So Sean and then uh of course the rock. I used <laughs> the rock. so many rock gifts. Fruit I hated you. the rock forever. <laughs> Why? He was a he was a heel for the longest. <laughs> yeah, he just it just I think it's because I think you know, and I realize that a lot of wrestlers when they start they're like new blood. They come out with like this gimmick, but it's they're grasping. Like, can you smell what the rock is cooking? What is that even? What he's not a chef. Why is this even a thing? Like, and he's like Samoan. He couldn't come up with like anything to go with his culture. He literally the Bull. Up and no, I mean, no, 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 no. Listen, before he was the rock, he was rocking my via, and his gimmick was Samoan. 
it just wasn't getting him over. So I just, he had to. yeah, see, and that's the, and then, you know, okay, but still, why is it what he, I just can't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I mean, didn't think it, it was great. I didn't think it was appealing or anything, you know, and he's not the only one like John <laughs> Cena. Oh my gosh. When John Cena started, oh, I just wanted to slap a white boy. That's all I really wanted to do. <laughs> I just couldn't stand him. The whole you can't see me and him like rapping all the time or trying to be all like street and stuff. And I'm like, boy, stop. You turn around and he did do like a lot of outreach and respect things for. And I think he kind of grew up a little bit. He came to my unit on Fort Bragg. He actually came and met with I didn't get a chance to meet him, but he met with uh, my battalion and everybody. He was there for four hours meeting people. Yeah, no, he um. You know, I think that even though, you know, like I said, he he really did reach out. Like at first I was like, oh, don't gimmick this man. Like this is a serious thing. This is real people that you're representing now or trying to be your brand. And But I think he did it all right. But I think at that point he grew up some. And then I started to have respect for him and stuff and everything. And same thing with The Rock. I don't know. It's just funny to me how they do come out though. And I'm like, oh, who is this guy? I can't stand him. <laughs> and then like 10 years later, I'm like, I love The Rock. He's so great. Such a great person. <laughs> I think for me with The Rock was it was he was he went through this phase where he was a heel and everybody hated him because he was like this cocky son of a bitch. And I think he got into it with Stone Cold a few times, who was like my like I said, either my favorite or he was right up there with Bret Hart, like Stone Cold. So there was an interesting thing with him where Bret Hart had Bret Hart had a funny take on Stone Cold, which I'll get into in the in the fuse, but the Rock was like really disliked by a lot of people as fans. I mean, that's a good thing in that aspect, you know, because they he was playing the bad guy. But I think those lines that you're talking about, like, what do you think about this? And then they'd be like, oh, no, no, it doesn't matter what, you know, like all those things and all yeah. the, uh, his monikers. I think that actually like catapulted him into a fan favor. But he flip flopped back and forth with the things that he did and his like people's elbow thing. And then. Like his move was just—I mean, there was nothing special about it. All he did was just wave his arms around and, like, you know, gloat and then do his elbow. But it was like, it was just everyone yeah. loved it. And I think now that I think about it, if you—and I think now that I'm like kind of evaluating how, I, like, my opinions and stuff. Now that I'm evaluating my whole outlook, <laughs> um, I realized that like a lot of the wrestlers I like didn't weren't very Gabby, you know, like they didn't talk a lot. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, like, I liked Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and stuff, but they weren't my favorites. All of my favorites, like I said, like, Rey Mysterio and The Undertaker and stuff, they didn't sit there and, like, spew out words, and they didn't have these big vocal taglines, you know, they just did their thing. And now I realize, like, a lot of the ones that I hated, like, you know, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? I'm like, shut up. Or Ric Flair, cannot stand Ric Flair to this day. I literally the whole woo thing and all he cannot shut up for five minutes when he's in that ring. Yeah. I can tell you one way my friend pisses me off is if he trolls me. And then after he trolls me, he sends me a gif of Ric Flair going, woo. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Like my blood pressure goes up through the roof and I'm like, get out of my DMs right now. I use that gif all the time in our discord. Now I'm going to oh, use gosh. it even more knowing this. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I don't know what it is. When I see that, like if somebody's talking trash to me and they really get me really good and they follow it up with that, oh man, I'm just like, oh God, I hate you right now so much. Like I just, but yeah, no, it's. um. I think I was more, I like the guys to talk trash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. 
That's what it seems to be. <laughs> we all want to be that guy that's full of confidence and that can whoop people's asses. You know, I think as a as a teenager or as like a young man, I, I think we 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 want to be that person. When actually, like me, I'm introverted. I'm shy. I'm not confident at all. Especially in high school, you know, going like that's how I got to live sort of vicariously through these people, right? I mean, they got to they're big, strong dudes that could kick ass and talk a lot of shit. You yeah, mentioned Shawn Michaels big cat i hated sean michaels so much but i mean that's a good thing again i just hated him because of he was usually healed for my experience but what you we talked about this offline and it sounded like sean michaels was one of your favorite like what what was it about sean michaels that you liked so much again it, it he's one of the ones that talk trash like he was his his promo skills were just ridiculous like I said his he his super kick has yet to be matched like nobody throws a super kick like that guy he was just brash. Yeah. He's real brash and real cocky, and, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. He was that kick, man. I swear, like I'm, I'm surprised no one's. I mean, I don't know if anyone has been injured from that. I mean, but man, that that was like brutal. I remember when he would do that and do the slap on people's faces and stuff. And I was like, damn. Uh, no, I was gonna say the best one I think I've ever seen throw was that one against Shelton Benjamin when Shelton jumped off the ropes and he caught mm. him midair. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I hated him so much just because I think I think there was a certain type of cockiness that I didn't like, and it's when I guess usually it is it stemmed from them doing something to a a, a wrestler that I did like, and then they would be cocky so about it. Was the screw it. Job. Yeah, so it was the, the screw job. The screw job really like I didn't witness that. I didn't get to see it on the pay per view, but I was told secondhand by my friends who watched it and. I think that's probably subconsciously why I didn't really like Shawn Michaels because of what ha- what happened with him, which we'll get into in the next uh, topic here about storylines. But before we get into that, actually, man, that would have been a perfect segue. I should have just went with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit because I think this is important. We don't. This is just want to talk a little bit about it. So the women of this era, I feel like pioneered the current popularity of women wrestlers in in WWE right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And the era was different. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of wrestling um, going on at the time. There was some matches, but so some of the women that I noted here were Stacy Keebler, Tori Wilson, Sable, Chris Stratus, China, Lita. Now the one thing reason why I say it's different is because they definitely focused on their sexuality. I think more than their ability in the ring. Would that did later progress to actual ring matches. But if it wasn't for these women driving the popularity of women wrestlers, I don't think we would have what we have today. So what do you think about that, Big Cat? I mean, it was definitely important because I was always a fan of the women and I wanted to see them actually have matches the caliber of, of the guys. Like, a dream match that I always wanted to happen was like a tables, ladders, and chairs match between Trish and Leah. Hmm. Like, I think being able to pull that off in that era it would have been a slacker. Like, there's no question that that match would have been five stars, guaranteed. Yeah, um, I'd say, I would say of that list, Lita and China are probably the most, like, wrestler, red, wrestling ready. Like, Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler, and Sable, they're, they're mostly focused on their their physical appearance, yeah. right? That was, like, the focus of them. But, like, China and, and Lita, though, like, Lita was doing off the top rope, like, uh, 
stuff. What, what's the special move that they that they would do? Edge and Christian would do when they would jump uh, out the top uh, rope, and all that, and moonsaults and all that. Yeah, and Lita was doing that stuff, but she came from ECW, um, and she was doing that stuff. So I would say. Of the, the list I have here, Lita and China are probably the most wrestling-ready and physical, where the other WD kind of focus more on the physical aspects and their looks more so than their ability to wrestle. But, like, again, they were instrumental in driving that that success. So, I'm sorry. I hijacked what you were saying. Continue. No, you're good. I would just say you probably want to include Trish in that list, too, of the ones that really got in there because she True. was kind of the hybrid. She had the look, and she was able to, you know, get in the trenches and, and do the moves. So I would yeah. probably add her to that list, but like you know, give them if they're giving them the time that they're giving them now, or well, we can say that, but that's a whole different topic. Like if you're giving them the time then and giving them the 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 ability to put on those same type of matches that the guys are putting on, I think we'd be we probably have a whole league of women wrestling on their own, like no dudes involved. There'd be a whole company just dedicated to women's wrestling. Mm. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Ruthie, what do you think about the the women at that time and how they were depicted and what it meant what it means for today's female wrestlers? I think definitely I agree in the sense that like I feel we would have been further progressed now in women's wrestling. That being said, it's still there's still very much a wheelhouse and the women today, some of the women wrestlers, um that we have now, I think definitely do actual like wrestling proud if that makes sense do you remember growing up and like how you said basically how you've said like wrestling ready because i feel that a lot of the ones that are listed or the ones that um were very big in the 90s a lot of them like their matches and the fact that i have to say matches in quotes um tells you that they weren't like wrestler ready like stacy keebler to me was like a glorified secretary to be honest, that was her whole persona. She was always like, that was her kind of thing. Sable, who was, I think Sable was like really kick ass, but she was highly sexualized. And I believe if I'm correct, she was on the cover of Playboy mm-hmm. for, she, yep. she was? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, she was. And first. actually a few of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, my thing is, is like a lot of them were like highly sexualized and I realized that that was the thing. It's not that they were always arm candy. Some of them definitely were like they would kind of team up with some kind of male wrestler and stuff, or it was like, are they dating? And then I think at some point in the nineties, there was like all different, like some kind of like crossover relationships and things like, I don't know. It, it definitely brought a different aspect of drama to it. But I know as a girl growing up, sometimes it really annoyed me that their matches would be like two minutes to like five minutes of hair pulling. And then somebody would just give the other one a good slap. (laughs) And then like, (laughs) and then like they'd be out or like before the match would be finished, some guy would run in and the two guys would go at it, you know, because they're trying to defend their, the matches were a joke. Um, And I think that's why one of my favorites was probably China because she was buff as hell and she didn't even take trash talk from the men. She like would like if they talk trash to her, she would like step right up to them. And you're just like she would stand up next to these other guys. And sometimes you'd be like, God, she could take him. She could do it. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you're just like watching. But I think it's cool that they had representation. But at the same time, I think the wrestling girls now, which these girls were pioneers for, definitely now they get more wrestling time in. It's more about like what you can do in the ring. Yeah. 
that more so than what you look like. Of course, they do have some appeal and they do do their things and stuff. But I mean, it's much more about what you can do and they have to be hardcore. Like they're pulling off some crazy moves now uh, yeah, I, in some really hardcore matches. I was going to say just that era, though, it was mostly sexualization of the women, even though it drove the popularity of of women. So it's kind of like a like a bittersweet thing, you know, like how they depicted some of the, some of the female wrestlers uh, during that. Oh, era. yeah. But it did, like I said, pave the way for because I don't think I don't watch wrestling like I did. I mean, I don't, I don't watch wrestling at all anymore. I just don't. And I don't think they depict one. You couldn't get away with some of the stuff they were doing in the 90s. I don't think that you would see that kind of stuff nowadays. It's unfortunate, but it also led to a better thing now for the for the female wrestlers. But I want to get into the next topic, which is our favorite feuds, which we started started getting into. Big Cat, when you think of the feuds and storylines, what's the one that sticks out to you the most? Probably, probably Triple H and Jericho for the undisputed title. Like that was because I hated Jericho with a passion. Like there was just no way that I could ever like this guy. But that feud was so good. I hated him so much that I love him. Was that the one when he became the first undisputed champion? Like the double belts? Mm-hmm. I remember that. I was surprised that they, because you know it's all written. I was surprised they gave it to him. I was shocked. But that's an interesting right. one. You don't, expect, you don't expect Jericho to be the guy that say, hey, we're going to give you the shot to be the yeah. first undisputed champion. You're going to carry both of these belts and like we're going to make history with you. You don't expect that for Jericho. Like so, The Rock, yeah, sure. Stone Cold, absolutely. Triple H, for sure. Jericho? Yeah, that was that one was that was a shocker for me as well. Although I remember liking Jericho, not because just because he he was one of those guys that had a really good way with the mic and his sarcasm and stuff. He was really funny, um, and I just because he, he was like a nobody in the WCW. Like from from what I remember, he was basically a nobody. But when he came to WWE, he became really popular, and his popularity drove. And then for some reason, yeah, that was a really weird, really weird one. Um, my all-time favorite feud that I had easily, easily was Bret Hart versus Stone Cold. And there's a couple of layers to this rival rivalry as to why I liked it so much was because Stone Cold was starting to make a name for himself at this time. I absolutely was still in love with Bret Hart. He was still my favorite wrestler. And I I really liked Stone Cold, and these two were going at it, and I didn't I didn't dislike either one. It was just entertaining as hell to me. And on top of that, it was really funny because this turned into a whole thing of like Americans were booing Bret Hart, but when Bret Hart would get back to Canada, all the Canadians would be cheering him on. It turned into this like weird U.S. versus Canada thing. Bret Hart would be severely booed and berated and. Um, the in America, but when he would go back to Canada because you know that's originally where he's from. He would just be loved and cheered for. It's like a completely different dynamic, depending on where they were shooting or filming uh, the events. And then Bret Hart said in his documentary that he thinks that America wanted to be the heel. He thinks America was tired of being the fan favorite, quote unquote, and he they wanted to be the heel and i thought that was a really interesting point of view they just want to be the bad guy that was the role they wanted to play and i that's why i just loved it was two of my favorite wrestlers and they were going at it and it led up to the my favorite match of all time which we'll get into the next the next topic so i actually met tori wilson at when i was a store manager at gamestop and i went to nice. our 
Yeah, I got her autograph and everything. And I gave it to a coworker of mine or one of my um, game advisors. I was a store manager. I gave him the autograph DVD to him because he was a big wrestling fan at the time. I had fallen out and I wasn't sure. He was very nice. He was very pretty. He was a gorgeous woman. Um, but she was very sweet. And as I said, hey, you know, like I'm getting this for my friend. Can you sign it for uh, Jerome? She's like, yeah, that's really nice of you. So, yeah, it was an interesting, <clears throat> an interesting uh, experience meeting a wrestler. Like you see them on TV and it's just completely different when you see them in person. Um, so my, I already talked about Bret Hart versus Stone Cold. Big Cat, what is, what is another few that you remember? We'll do one more and then we'll get into the memorable matches. Um, probably anything between the rock and stone cold. That was probably mm. like they had a couple mania matches back to back that were huge. They were always hitting each other's finishes on each other. Like the trash talk between them was always top notch. It was just, you never know what was going to happen when those two were in the ring. Anything could literally happen. Yeah. You said about selling a fight. Now someone like Bret Hart, he's someone that wasn't big on the mic, but when he got in the ring, he could like he could sell that fight. I know what you meant when selling. You meant like I guess building up to that fight, but the actual action in the ring because we talk about all this build up to it, and then the the fights aren't real, but that's where sort of like the entertainment value comes from from the show as well. Like it's not just about being able to handle a mic and talk crap, talk crap, and then also you know, it's also about being able to sell a fight, and that's one thing that The Rock definitely could do. Um, Stone Cold could do, and then uh, and Bret Hart was like my favorite. He was never like one of those guys. When you watch one of his matches, especially the one with, between him and Stone Cold in the I Quit match, which is my lead up into the to the moments, that's something I don't know if it's done these days because I don't watch wrestling. But it was just it's just, like the whole build up and the whole fight with uh, Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold, like that rivalry with with um, Mike Tyson. Like that was another one that like drove me like That's insane. That was like one, yeah, yeah. And it was just like that's probably like one of my top, probably my top, top two, top three moments or fuse was just because it was Stone Cold's time to shine, and you had the Generation X just shitting on him constantly, like coming in the ring when he when you know like screwing him over and. It was like they just built this whole thing up. And then all of a sudden, like, Mike Tyson comes in. And then uh, he's like the guest. Yeah. And it was just, like yeah. Tyson, Tyson added that that touch of realism to really be able to sell it. Because Tyson's like the, one of the greatest boxers that ever lived. And he's, you tell me he's in the ring doing this? Yeah. Some, mm-hmm. There's got to be some kind of realism here if Tyson's involved. So it was that ability to sell it and then get the blow off in the actual match. And now, and this is one of the things that makes me hate wrestling now is they're still bringing in celebrities to give it that touch of realism. But right now they're bringing in Logan Paul. What? Ugh. Oh, let's not get started on that. Uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're not selling me a fight, dude. Like mm-hmm. you're just, you're just trying to get clicks. Yeah. Stop. I'm not picking up what you're putting or, or yeah, I'm not picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> that's the, the way I, that's my favorite line. For not that. With Logan Paul, no, sir. Yeah, no. All right, I want to get into uh, some of the memorable matches. I was trying to press the brakes on Ruthie because she's coming into the my favorite all-time moment. I'm like, no, let's wait till we get to the moment. So it's like, I know you want to talk about it. <laughs> and this is one of the reasons yeah, why I put it in my notes. I want to talk about it. I know Big Cat wants to talk about it. So why don't, we'll just get into it. You already mentioned The Undertaker vs. Mankind, Hell in the Cell, mm-hmm. King of the Ring, 1998. 
the reason why I call this moment the penultimate moment is because this crossed mainstream. This is like anyone and everyone knows about this match. Freaking mankind gets thrown off the top of the cage, land lands on the the Hispanic broadcaster's table. Like you're talking about 15, 20 feet oh, in yeah. the air. And then they check on him, he's good, comes back, and then Undertaker chokeslam him through the top. He climbs back up, chokes him through the top where he lands on tacks. You can see his teeth is cracked, he's bleeding from the mouth, and it, like you said, it's not even ten minute match. But watching that, like I, my jaw like was dropped. Like I literally thought mankind broke his neck. I literally thought mankind might be dead watching that. Like the way that the way he fell and i was legitimately scared nothing like i was i was like i think i just saw someone die on live tv you know and yeah that to me is the penultimate moment like we'll never see anything of that caliber of that again it's just too dangerous for one that i don't think that anyone would be allowed to do that again but and this, i don't know if anyone would want to do that do that again so that to me is oh, that's the high how point. Wrong you are, sir. what how wrong you are oh okay Learn me real quick. Well, you got Jeff Hardy jumping off the Titan Tron. You got um, Shane McMahon jumping off the cage a few times. Yeah. Oh, uh, shit. But Shane. I mean, the way he felt, mankind fell on his back on tax from the top of the hell. Is there anything that we've seen like that? He fell on his back on tax. You could see the tax in him. You know, you know he did the same thing to Rikishi. Wait. Rikishi fell through the top of the Hell in a Cell match. No, he, he threw Rikishi off the top of the cage. Well, I mean, you didn't. What? What? Well, tell me what happened. I didn't see that. What he fell like through the top on mm-hmm. top of Tax. Well, no, you know how um, he went off the edge and through the announcer's table. Rikishi did that same spot. No way. I didn't. I don't remember that. that I don't remember that at all. I, I'll have to find the find the clip and send it to you. But yeah, Rikishi did the exact same thing. But like they're doing all kind of crazy stuff like that now. Like they're doing it off the top of the uh the box trucks, the semis. Like there's I, I can send you some stuff, dude. Oh they, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look at it. Cause I've I mean I've seen the highlights on Twitter and stuff. I just felt like I mean, the missing teeth, like dude had like his teeth were missing. The the thumbtacks were in his head when he fell. Like, I don't know. That to me was the scariest thing that I that I've seen. Maybe they are doing some crazy stuff, but I have a feeling that it's not the same. I just can't imagine it because it's like the way he yeah, fell dude. on his back. There's a match that happened recently, and it was a it was a, it was a women's match between uh, a lady named Brick ba- uh, Britt Baker and a lady named Thunder Rosa. Like thumbtacks, barbed wire. Mm. It was an unsanctioned. Like it, it they're still yeah. It's all like the- clips and stuff. Yeah, from that one. Oh, I have That's to check that insane. out. Huh. Yeah, I'll have to check that out and see. Maybe they might get, get me back. Because if they're doing like ECW type stuff, like I thought that they had kind of went away from it, the gruesome the gruesomeness that you know that we saw with this match. But but anyways, that to me was the ult- the the ultimate moment for this era of watching that. Because being a teenager, I I was shocked. I I couldn't believe what I was seeing at that time. What what do you all remember from that moment? Or do you have another moment that you that you think of when you think about this era? Uh, Big Cat, I'll let you go. I I think about like the latter match between the Hardys and uh, Edge and Christian. Mm. Like I said, just Jeff Hardy's done some crazy stuff. Like he he literally did a swanton bomb off the top of the of the Titan Tron, the the place with the, the big TV. He did a swanton bomb off the top of that. 
I remember when There's he did that. it off the Big Show when he stood on Big Show shoulders and did it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Yeah, yeah what? Yeah, Mick Foley walking around with the with the baseball bat with the barbed wire on it. You got uh I mean, there's there's so much stuff that that happened where it's just like, how are you getting away with this on TV? Yeah, like I understand you got an NC seven. Like I mean, uh, what is it? Uh, whatever rating you have to have in order to pull the stuff off. But like you're pushing the limit a little bit, buddy. Oh, they yeah, they were pushing like they definitely like I said with the the first is the sexual stuff and then with the with the blood and stuff. Yeah, they were pushing pay per view was was a whole another another beast, but. Yeah. Um, the other moment that I can that I think of, like I already alluded to, was the I Quit match. It was between my two favorite wrestlers. And then speaking of blood, I mean, you just had this iconic moment of so Bret Hart's, you know, his special move was the sharpshooter, and he would do it, and then you would submit, and that's how he would win. He wouldn't do the typical pin. And so in this match, they went at it. It was it was I Quit, so there's no rules. They just used whatever they wanted to, and then it it culminated with Bret Hart doing the sharpshooter. While with Stone Cold's face bleeding and he's like screaming in pain and then he like passes out and that's how he lost the match because he passed out. He never quit. And I know it's not real, but the blood was real and the the aura, you know, of that match, the 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 history behind that is just something that I, I could never forget. Like that was probably like one of the one of my other favorite moments that I had. Um Ruthie do you have any moments that you that you have that that you can think of that you remember that that just call out to you? Um, you know, I think the I definitely remember Helena Cell and I like I'm not sure if I had anything going through my brain when all that stuff was happening with McFoley, to be honest. <laughs> and like honestly, I think that's one of the very few matches that I extremely disliked Undertaker. Um, because I loved him. He was like, like I've already said a few times, he was one of my favorites, but to see like it go like that brutal and stuff over something in the long run that I knew was not real, you know, like this isn't real stuff. It's a match. This is sports, but to see one of my favorites, just like, you know, do this like twice. And I'm like, Oh my God. You know, like I just, was just stunned i think that the extremity that it went to and how hard because i also like mcfoley but to see like or to see you know mankind and all that stuff like to see it go that far i was just like this is insane you know i just was stunned with that um i think the other ones that i remember was the big rivalry between kane and undertaker who i believe were supposed to be brothers Mm. yep in the storyline, they were supposed to be brothers. And there was like this big rivalry because at first it was like, he was, if he, if the undertaker was the undertaker, then Kane was hell himself. And it was like this big deal. And then there was the thing where the undertaker was originally pretty evil for a while. And Kane was kind of like, I don't want to be like, he was his lap dog, but he kind of was like, the Cerberus, you know, like if Kane, if the undertaker was taking you to hell, then like Kane was like the Cerberus, you know, or whatever. But basically the point is, is that they kind of had this thing going and they were kind of evil. And then later the undertaker came more of like, I'm the undertaker, but I'm not evil. This is just what I do, you know? And then Kane was like inherently evil. Like, and I mean, well, he like, murdered his parents. I thought, isn't that what the whole story was? He started the fire. 
And then he, yeah, like, that's I, why he was burned. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like basically it came down to like, it turns out in the end, Cain was like definitely the inherently evil brother. And then after that, it was this huge rivalry between them in these big matches. And they were like matched um, physically. I mean, they were both very big guys, very stout, very solid, very big, um, you know. And so anytime, you know, it even hinted at the fact that they might fight or there was a match, it was always just like super intense because you're like, oh, man, these guys are going to like break the ring or something, you know, like one of them slams the other one. So I just remember definitely their rivalry and their, their anything that they did. Um, and, uh, and then that being said, I think the reason I thought about it, because I think one of the favorite moments is like, I think when either, um, it was one of their fights. I don't remember if it was the whole fight or the end of it, but I distinctly remember Kane being put inside the coffin and freaking out like his character, like that was his defeat to be put in the undertaker's coffin. And I know the undertaker did that for a few of his matches and stuff like that. Cause that was like the gimmick you get put in the coffin, the coffin closes and the coffin gets taken out of the, you know, gets like pulled out or whatever. And I just remember for Kane to be like put in the, the coffin, he was panicking. Like it was like his fear or something. Um, so I just remember that moment. And like I said, I don't even remember if that was like the end of a match or just like something that happened at one point so quickly. But I just remember him being slammed into the slammed into the coffin and him being like, ah, you know, like yeah. it was just like a whole head trip to him, to his character. And then the coffin was closed and everybody's like, the evil's been defeated or something you know, like that or like whatever, you know, I don't know. It's- I just think that was like a really big moment. Yeah, no, that reminds me of when so Yokozuna <laughs> and Undertaker got into it in a match, and I remember that was a it was the first coffin match, um, and he Undertaker lost, and it was like this really like weird, creepy thing where they showed him on the jumbotron him talking. I guess they filmed it afterwards, but like he he went in the thing in in the casket, and then Yokozuna shut it, and then it was like a really creepy thing. Um, and speaking, of, so we're talking about moments. Speaking of Yokozuna, this is my last one. And it's it was between him and Bret Hart. Bret Hart had, had the title, and Yokozuna was challenging for him for it at SummerSlam. And he ends up defeating. This is when Hogan had come back shortly after. Uh, a, there was a whole thing with steroids and drugs going on in WWE that wasn't really like widely known, but it was sort of like you know written about and kind of known by people that were in the know at the time. So Hogan finally came back. And so Yokozuna beats Bret Hart, and then he challenges Hulk Hogan to a match immediately after Yokozuna beats Bret Hart. And then the match is like 10 seconds long. Hulk Hogan slams him, and then he wins the belt. Like, And it's like this weird... And even at like, I must have been like 10 years old, and even I knew that this was bullshit. And like, you know, I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. I was like, this is bullshit. Like, get out of here. Like he shouldn't have won. And I just remember that as a kid thinking like one, they screwed over Yoko Zuno. Like I felt really bad for that guy because he had just got the title and then he lost it shortly after. And that, that was like, man, that was just like one of those moments where I was just like, damn, that, 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 that sucks. Um, all right. The last, the uh, last topic I want to get into is just the, the WCW. Cause I don't, I feel like that we can't not talk about WCW given, even though it's a WWE focus that, WCW was the reason for 
WWE, you know, catapulting. So if you look at the Nielsen ratings for, for TV, this is back in the day, they would, the Nielsen ratings was based on how many TVs were tuned into that channel at that time. I mean, WCW on Monday nights, they went like almost, they went from 1997, holy shit, they went 96, they went for almost on a two-year run where they, they almost doubled WWE and the Nielsen rating. Huge. But then the whole Attitude Era came and that kind of changed things. So uh, I'll let you go, Big Cat. What do you remember from WCW? Because for me, it was the amazing roster. So what do you remember from that, that era from WCW? Yeah, they definitely had a lot of, a lot of names that, you know, people were looking for and respected like Sting and Hogan and uh, Macho Man. They had the names. They had the lineage. They had the big title at the time. So um, the biggest thing that I remember from WCW is just um, probably when, when the feud kicked off between them and NWO when they actually had split shows and like the NWO was really trying to become a legit like third company. Mm. Being under WCW, and there was a, it was literally a war between the two. I didn't know um, that. I always thought NWO was sort of like a de- degeneration X sort of thing, but it was actually like well, that, that's how it started out. They they started uh-huh. out as as a just as another faction, but then it grew to be so big that they eventually were going to storyline it as if they were trying to become their own company. The NWO was going to be its hmm. own thing. They're gonna have their own night. They're gonna have their own ring set up. All that stuff. It was gonna be purely NWO, and they would be going to war with WCW. And I kind of think that might have been the inspiration for the uh, invasion storyline too. I was gonna say that sounds sort of familiar, and you already said it. You alluded to it, and that I wanted to talk a little bit about that too as well. But they like their roster was crazy. I mean, they had Sting, Ric Flair, Hollywood Hogan, Goldberg, Kevin Nash, DDP, Booker T. I mean, I mean, there's more than that, just that too, you know, like uh, Scott Steiner. Uh, it was just an amazing roster and they were dominating the ratings. Like that was like everyone, not everyone liked WWE very much during that time, even though I was a WWE, WWF guy at the time. But that the whole end of when, uh, when uh, Nash and, and Hall made the jump. When they left WWF to go yes. to WCW, yes, and the way they did it, like it was like they were still signed to WWF, kinda, and now they're over on WCW. So it's like, is this WWF trying to invade? But and we didn't really know what was going on then because people were still kind of behind the kayfabe wall. It was great. It was yeah. it was good to you. Well, that so you mentioned them. I didn't even talk about this, but the Montreal Screwjob. So that was basically when. Vince knew every, and it was weird because looking back on it, almost everybody knew this at the time. Bret Hart had the title; he was going to jump shit to WCW. Vince knew this, and then during the whole, I don't even know how it. No one really knows how it came to be, but basically, in the match, Shawn Michaels puts him in the sharpshooter, and then in the match, you can see Bret Hart never like taps to say he quit. They just ring the bell, and it's sort of like a. Uh, I say spit in the face because it's kind of funny because Bret Hart literally spit in the face of Vince McMahon. Just video footage of it, but it was just like a horrible way to to like, you know that that's like his his father created that move. It was like this, it was like some re- that was real stuff boiling over onto TV. 
um, and it got real ugly for a long time. And that that just led to the whole thing with WCW. Even though they didn't utilize Bret Hart probably the best in the best way. Um, and then Bret Hart got his concussion from Goldberg, that the accidental kick to the face, which ruined his career. But that was huge. They're taking these. They were taking these people. So then it was almost like this free agency battle. Like this sort of reminds me of professional sports with free agency and taking players. I remember when X Pac. A one, two, three kid, you know, he left and then he came back and it was like this huge thing. He even called Eric Bischoff out when they announced X-Pac, his return uh, to WWF. He even like called Eric Bischoff out. Um, that, so the the other big moment that WCW had that I was super jealous of was, do you remember the Dennis Rodman versus Carl Malone? Do you remember that? Oh my God. What did you think about that? Since you were talking about like celebrities and stuff, what did you think about that? Like... Okay, so I didn't so much mind Dennis Rodman being a part of the NWO. I didn't mind that because that kind of fits Rodman's personality. Yeah. So I I was good with that. Carl Malone, bro. He's a big Carl guy. Malone. Big muscular dude. You could make them do the moves. No, 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 no. You could find anybody else other than Carl. You could, but I get why they did it. I get exactly okay. why they I did was it. Gonna say, because hey, they were in the finals, battling each that's other. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah the Bulls <laughs> in the, game, yeah. the finals. So I understand why they did it. I get ratings. I know how that works. But Carl Malone, bro. Carl Malone, you couldn't get Gary Payton. Hey, Gary Payton ain't gonna do. He ain't gonna go wrestle. Gary Payton's but, like six three. Dennis Rob's like six eleven. Gary's a shit talker though. Yeah, I mean, he would have probably been good behind the mic. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. It's interesting because going back, I remember watching, I, I have the DVD of the Bulls championship games and there was a documentary and they showed the scene. I don't know if you remember this, where Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman get tangled up and like they in, in the game, in, in the basketball game and they fall to the ground, they get back up, Carl Malone trips them, they get back up, Dennis Rodman like trips them and then they call a double foul. And then you see Carl Malone get up and do the Diamond Dallas Page diamond hands running down Man. the court and i ne- i didn't occur to me until like years later like holy shit this dude is literally promoting this wcw fight in this game and i thought it was thought it was hilarious but i mean that just goes just goes to show how far ahead wcw was i think at the time as far as uh, promotion story storytelling and the characters that they created on on their show because they dominated for like three straight years until about 1998, early 99, when WWE, and they kind of went with the NWO route with the Generation X with their the whole attitude thing, and it really helped them out. But we wouldn't have seen that. Like I feel like the reason all the success that WWE has had is because of WCW, because they had that competition. And the one thing that I remember, the last thing I'll say about this, is do you remember the last Nitro, Monday Night Nitro, episode when they did the simulcast yeah because vince is like the fate of wcw rests in my hands and then it turns out shane uh pops up on the on the wcw side he's like he's like there's mcmahon on the contract but it's not vince it's shane yes yeah i remember that entire thing (laughs) do you remember the reaction in nitro when like nobody knew what was going on it was hilarious to me like you thought everyone was because they did a simulcast it was the same thing so everybody was cheering on the wwe on the monday night raw like the whole crowd went crazy but when he showed when shane McMahon showed up on the nitro side because they were in another location 
nobody like cheered. It was like a couple cheers here and there. It was just really awkward. It was just kind of because they, they had no idea. Exactly. No idea that they had just been bought out by Vince. Exactly. But I don't even think they knew who Shane McMahon was. Like, that's what I, I think what it was, was because they didn't follow the storylines and they were all WCW mm-hmm. people. And it was just, I remember, I was just, I just thought that was really funny. Like, you know, like the whole thing that came out, nobody knew. It was just, it was just funny. But, and then that I led to the whole. You think it was shock? I think it was just a shock. It's like, why in the hell is there a McMahon on WCW <laughs> television? This does not make sense. What is happening? Yeah, yeah, maybe. It was just so. It felt awkward to me though, because I, 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 I don't know. Um, all right, before we close it out, Ruthie, do you have any final thoughts on at least on the? Do you have any remember? Do you remember anything from WCW's uh, little run that they had? You already mentioned Sting a few times already on this today's show and Goldberg. Yeah, I, I think because yeah, I think my thing was is I just watched you know. Uh, WWE and WC- WCW, like I watched a, I watched a lot of them. It really just whatever the boys were watching. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, like when you have five brothers. Um, so it's uh, yeah, I I uh, I love like looking at the list of them and stuff. Yeah, Goldberg, Kevin Nash. Uh, like now that I'm like seeing all these and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh. Kevin Nash and DDP and Booker T. Like I loved all these guys. Like growing, <laughs> growing up and stuff. And um, that being said, though, like now that I'm thinking about it, I think like they didn't have as much drama in their storylines at times. Like I think they definitely had rivalries and stuff, but I don't think they had like the drama factor and the extremity of it wasn't always where the other ones were, you know. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, uh, I think they just, I don't know. It, like now I'm trying to think about it. I'm trying to think, why don't I really remember like big storytelling? Like, I mean, I remember the characters is what I remember, I guess, if that makes sense. Like I remember the characters of WCW, but I don't remember these big interwoven storylines. You just like seeing big sweaty men wrestle. That's all it was. I like them big and stupid and sweaty. Yep, we've already established that. <laughs> um, or or um, small and slender and fast. We like we talked about that earlier with Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. Mm. Yeah, I need two opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but yeah, no. Now that I'm thinking about it, I just because I did like some of the drama, but I just. Now that I'm thinking about it, like looking at the names, I'm like, I don't think there was like as big drama as the other group. I couldn't you tell know? you because I never, really, I didn't really watch WCW. I mean, from time yeah, to time, I was the really, channels. Yeah, yeah, there was like, you know, there was like uh, rivalries and this match and that match and stuff like that. And um, I think that's the thing. I think they just had really, really good wrestlers and people wanted to watch them. But I think if you wanted like the drama and the crazy ass stunts and everything, then you went to the other, you know, like that was, and I think that's kind of how NWO and stuff kind of came into it was it basically set up like this elite kind of group and they were like in all black and, you know, it was a big thing and they were like trying to dominate the whole, you know, WCW and, you know, love them or hate them. So, and then later I think it, it factioned into two. If I remember correctly, yeah, because it's off to the 
the NWO Hollywood and then into the Wolfpack. Yeah, exactly. It broke off. And then that was a big deal. And that caused some drama there, you know, because you had this group that was kind of tight knit that was like, if you hated them, you hated them. But if you loved them, they were like your boys. And then like, then they had their split and it went to like white and black and red and black, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, and then they, yeah, then they had a rivalry and then you had like best buds fighting each other and stuff. And so that added a lot of drama to it. But other than that, I just think it's funny that for them, I really can't control, can't recall any like big drama storylines. I just know that they were all really good wrestlers. Um, and huge names in wrestling still. They're legends. They're they really paved the a lot of these people did. All these people paved the road. Um that people now are wrestling, you know, or started their careers. Like when I think of like I said, I tried to watch, you know, I haven't watched last time I turned on wrestling or watched some of it, I just got kind of annoyed because I'm like, oh man, it is so fake. Like it's like I don't maybe it's because I'm not attached to these wrestlers. But I put it on and I was like, oh, this is so fake. But I remember turning it on and, and seeing certain people and seeing um The Miz. I think it's his name now. The Miz. Or like, oh, yeah. See? Yeah, I don't like The Miz at all. He's another. Real world. I think he's like a wannabe. He's a wannabe Ric Flair or wannabe McMahon. He wants to, he wants to have his. He wants the spotlight. Anyways, and then. um. Yeah, there's just like all different ones now. But yeah, I just feel like a lot of these people pave the way and it's these names that are you've got listed that because of them we have what we have now, which for better or worse than the fact that I don't watch it, um, it's better wrestling now. Like I know, Pete, you said people don't do matches like that anymore. And Big Cat says, well, they do do some of those matches now. Um, But I think that's good. Like in a lot of ways, I'm glad that it doesn't happen all the time that somebody's being dropped 20 feet off the top of a cage onto a table and tacks. And like, I think it's like, I think they realize they don't have to go that extreme anymore. So for WCW was always, they had the wrestlers that I wanted and wish they would join. And then when they finally merged and they had started the invasion, they just blew it. And yeah, it was, I think it was just a horribly done mess. And unfortunately it didn't, it didn't turn out to like, how I would have liked to see. And I was excited when Stone Cold turned because they in that storyline, Stone Cold was like the guy that Vince turned to, like, oh, this invasion, you're our last hope. And he turns, and I was like, yes, but then all the fans were pissed. I was like, no, this is great. Like, I don't know. It was, yeah. <laughs> WCW was, it was just for whatever reason, never called out to me, even though I, I liked the wrestlers that they had in there. So, all right. I'm going to let us close it out here. We'll have our final thoughts on the WWE essentially attitude era. Uh, Big Cat, what are, you, what are your final thoughts from that whole era, the wrestlers and moments and all those things? I mean, they don't make it like that anymore. That is my biggest thing. It's like, you're not going to see the level of gruesomeness that you saw in the early 90s, early two, or in the early 2000s. Like, I mean, for goodness sakes, Brock Lesnar did a, a, a shooting star press and cracked his neck in at WrestleMania, you're not going to see Brock do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a guy that size do that anymore. Um, what you had Shane McMahon being thrown through a glass plate by Kurt Angle. You're not going to see that now, or it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be super protected if you do. Like the the '90s and like the content, it's just 
It's an era that has to be appreciated for what it was because you're never going to see anything like that again. The world's not built like that anymore. So, haha, you suck. I agree. I agree. I agree with you for for the most part on what you said. Maybe I'm wrong. Like you said, Big Cat, there was some stuff that they've done. I just feel like we're not going to see the to the extent of what happened with mankind. I want to see the videos. So send me that. My final thoughts on that era was, um, which we didn't talk about, were were the video games were like crazy good for the most part mm-hmm. during that time frame, even in the early '90s, and just those moments. I feel like. There's so many moments during that era, like between the I Quit match, the we, the mankind being thrown to the, the the hell in the cell, the Stone Cold doing the the beer truck spraying beer on people, him Stone Cold stunning Vince's wife, uh, the Martha. What I forgot her name, but uh, Linda, Linda McMahon. Yeah, he's Stone Cold, yeah, Linda. Linda McMahon. Like he's Thunder, and there was just so many great, great. Uh, moments that i had that i can call back to that just uh i i I don't know if they're doing that now but that's what i'm gonna remember so much for was the the spectacle that it was the memories that i have of just monday night being c must see tv hanging out with my friends and and those are my final thoughts from that era and it was just such a great time to be a wrestling fan um i hope it's still good i hope people are i mean i guess people are still enjoying it um but yeah that's what that's that's my final thoughts that being said, Big Cat, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on our show as a special guest today. Yeah. It's been Woo. awesome. Ruthie, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you guys invited uh, me on. You can have me back anytime. Just let me know. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will. I will. You will be back. I'll make sure of that. Um, <laughs> and Ruthie, thank you so much for doing the show with me as always. I'm glad you're back and doing better. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, look forward to our next episode, which should be next next two weeks. So yeah that is it for today's show everybody go check out the description for all the socials and all the links and all the stuff and big cat and ruthie and fun see you all later all right see you pete